As you take your seats and you've just acknowledged that God is awesome, incredible, and wonderful, I want to tell you what God thinks about you. You see, because the devil's forever sitting on our shoulder and trying to speak into our ear, and he tries to convey himself as God, and he tries to talk to us, and he lies. He's the father of lies. And he will sit there, especially at moments that we've made regrettable decisions, and he'll tell us how God doesn't care about us and how God doesn't love us. And I want to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. You know, if it were true, why would the devil be so busy making sure everybody knew? Because he's the father of lies, I learned a long time ago. Jesus said, when he speaks, he speaks his native language, which is the language of lies. And so now, I've learned how to interpret his language. Every time he tells me bad stuff, every time he tells me God doesn't like me, every time he tells me I'm not forgiven, every time he tells me I'm a failure, I put what he says through the interpreter mode and I say thank you very much now I know the opposite is the truth amen. amen the devil is nothing but a liar from the beginning amen I want you to open your Bibles if you guys would just sit on the stools there for a moment I'm gonna be quick this morning I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 139 Psalm 139. This is what David writes. And we're going to start with verse 13. For you formed me, you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. Next week is Mother's Day. And uh, this series that I'm preaching is called Uniquely You or You Are Wonderful. You are wonderful. And this sermon is uniquely you. You're one in 500 million. And I'll explain that in a moment. But he says, For you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Stop. Do you understand that David is saying that he is and we are marvelous because we are God's handiwork? He didn't just say, God, well done, you made something, you know, you do wonderful things. No, he's talking about the creation that God created. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous I am the result of your works. It says, and that my soul knows very well. Here's the problem. Too often our soul doesn't know that very well. And so this is what the Word of God says about you. This is what the Word of God says about us. And David says that his soul gets this. His soul knows this. But as your shepherd, I want to know that your soul gets this. And so I want you to repeat after me, and I want you, almost as if you were going to pledge allegiance, 
I want you to take your right hand and put it somewhere on your chest and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am marvelous because God created me. Your soul is the combination of your intellect, the mind of your intellect, and the mind of your emotions. I want to constantly bombard the mind of your intellect and your emotions because negative circumstances in life have stamped you with rejection. They've stamped you with failure. They've stamped you with insults. They've stamped you with hurts, wounds, things that have led to brokenness. But the Word of God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you are marvelous. I don't always perform marvelously, but it doesn't change who I am. I am a marvel of God's creation. You are a marvel of God's creation. And what I love about God you know, sometimes as parents, our love is a little bit conditional, you know. And uh, <clears throat> we talk about rewarding our kids if they get all A's or all B's on their uh, report card at school. And they see some dissatisfaction in us when they haven't achieved to our standards. I have news for you. I don't achieve to God's standards regularly and yet he thinks I'm pretty phenomenal because God's love isn't conditional and I want to introduce you to that God if you've never met him if you have a knowledge of him Job said this during his his journey in life he said after he actually encountered God, he was very religious from the beginning but then he goes through this valley of the uh, shadow of the death experience and he comes to a conclusion he says I've decided that in the past I only heard rumors of you but now I know you oh, wow. and when we come to know God he's nothing like the rumors whether the rumors were good or bad when you come to know him he is 3D, he is 4D, he, is, he jumps off the pages and he is more wonderful than we could ever have imagined. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And David goes on to say, so everyone put your hand on your chest again because I want your soul to get it. I want your mental intellect and your emotional being to get this. I am fearfully and wonderfully made and in God's eyes I am a marvel you see today you've praised God with freedom you've praised him generously abundantly and you've told God how wonderful he is did you stop to think and you are created in his image David goes on to say, and I love this passage of Scripture, verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. I was skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. 
Verse 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. You know, now through modern technology, we, we can actually watch video of sperm going to the egg and the egg being fertilized. And we can watch that, the, the, that one single cell start to uh, which is called a zygote. Once it's fertilized, it's called a zygote. And then it starts to multiply cells. And we could watch the development of that baby. And I purposely called it a baby. Uh, but God says that He saw us while we were yet unformed. We can now see it through modern technology. But God always saw into our mother's womb and saw us from the moment of fertilization uh, there's a difference between fertilization and conception. Fertilization is when the sperm and the egg, uh, the sperm penetrates the egg, it creates a zygote, and then the zygote comes down from the fallopian tubes, and once it gets embedded in the womb, then it's called conception. So technically, medically, there's a, there's a distinction between the two. It's very interesting. I was reading up on the whole subject and on a page about intro, introvert, uh, fertilization, they actually denote that life begins at the point of fertilization. Wow. I thought, isn't it interesting when they want to call it Life, they call it life, and when they want to say it's just a mass of tissue, it's just a mass of tissue. He says, and in your book, he says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. God has a book on you, and it's a good book. He's not going to throw the book at you. He's got a book about you. And it says, the days fashioned for me. It's written, the days that are fashioned for me, and when as yet there were none of them, yet you had written about my life. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Before we go to the next verse, let's go back to 17. David is saying, how precious are your thoughts to me. Your thoughts about me. Do you know that God thinks about you constantly? Did you know that Jesus prays about you instantly, constantly and instantly. The Bible says that he makes intercession for us on a regular basis. So if Jesus, who is God, is interceding for you on a regular basis, you need to put that together with the fact that that's not an exaggeration. God has thoughts about you constantly. And David says, how great is the sum of all those thoughts? Verse 18 if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God thinks about you more times than there are grains of sand on the beach. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel pretty important. You are wonderful. You are awesome. You are marvelous, marvelously created by Him, and He loves you, and He thinks about you. My goodness, I bet every wife here would want her husband to think about them half that often. How many of you get the feeling that maybe God really does love us? Pretty incredible, isn't it? You are incredible. You are awesome. You are wonderfully made. 
I want you to understand that you are unique. In fact, you are so unique. <laughs> you are one in 500 million. You see, when mom and dad did their thing, there was anywhere from 50 million to 500 million little sperms swimming around and only one made it. And the one that made it is you. So you are one in 500 million. Don't tell me you're a loser. You already won. Don't tell me you're a failure. You beat out five, 499, 900, whatever. <laughs> I'm a theologian, not a mathematician. All right? You beat them all out. In fact, you are so unique. You are so marvelous. You are so incredible that the minute that sperm and egg came together and created a zygote, 23 chromosomes from your dad were brought to the party and 23 chromosomes from your mom was brought to the party and the minute fertilization took place, there was a complete genome in that cell. Now a genome is the blueprint or the genetic code of what and who that human being will be. And it is so specific and it is so uh, unique that from the moment of fertilization, <laughs> no one in all of history and no one in the entire future will ever have the same combination of DNA uh, mixtures. You are that unique. You see, the world is behind science. They're behind the times. They talk about a woman's rights. I believe in women's rights. You do the same job a man does, you should get the same money and maybe more because you're prettier. I believe in women's rights, but this isn't an issue of women's rights. This is an issue of human rights because mommy, you only came to the party with 23 chromosomes and daddy, you only came to the party with 23 chromosomes and when they combined, they started a mixture and they created a complete genetic code of a new individual that has never existed before and will never exist again in all of eternity. You are uniquely you. Let's take a moment to talk about DNA and science. Because sometimes people say to me, well, you know, have you got an argument other than a moral argument? Listen, I got news for you. I love science because the more science discovers, the more they keep proving the word of God. <laughs> You have a complete genome in every cell. That's the complete genetic code of who you are or the blueprint of who you are, okay? There's over three billion characters in your genetic code. There's over three billion characters in your genetic code. And if I were to read each one of those characters in your genome, 
in your genetic code, if I was to read each one of those characters and I read a character every second, and I did that night and day and never stopped, it would take me 96 years to read the blueprint that God wrote in the womb that describes you. It would take 96 years nonstop if I read every character one second at a time, never stopping. You see, David says you wrote a book about me. That book's called your genetic code. It's your genome. He knows you. You see, God said to Jeremiah in chapter 1, verse 5, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. Before you were ever born, God wrote a book, and that book had your genetic code in it, and he described everything about you, and he loved it, and he thought it was wonderful. He invented you. He thought of you. He inspired you. When dad had that glint in his eye, that was inspiration from God. <laughs> Okay, I thought it was funny. <laughs> if I don't get a laugh in the beginning, I get it in the back end. That's all right. Listen to this. You have 37 trillion cells in your body. 37 trillion cells. He has 37 trillion cells. He has 37 trillion cells. You have 37 trillion cells in your body. And every one of those cells has that complete genome in it. You, you know, what's really interesting? You could take a woman's, a follicle of her hair, and one little follicle will have all the, the genetic code of who that woman is. You could scrape one tiny cell from her lung and it would have all the same genetic code. You could take one tiny cell from her liver, it would have all the same genetic information. In other words, every, every cell has the complete book of DNA information of who you are. And the reason why I have an issue with this argument that it's a woman's rights is because what they call just a mass of tissue inside of a woman, take one cell, and it has a completely different genetic makeup. Somebody's been lying to you. Somebody's been telling you a story, and it's not the whole truth. Your genetic makeup is so unique but I'm going to share something with you. 99% of your genetic makeup is exactly the same as everybody else in the world. I bet you didn't know that. 99% of your genetic makeup is the same as everyone else in the world. So where's racism? Where's prejudice? What, what, what absolute foolhardy stuff that is. There's only 1% of us that makes a difference between us and everyone else in our genetic makeup. There's only 1%. But that 1% is so vastly different from person to person that your genetic makeup 
in that 1%, they could identify you from millions, even billions of people. Did you know that they are now breaking open cases that are 40 years old? And do you know why? The police, when necessary, get special permission and they can actually access the data banks of companies like Ancestry.com. They have to get special permission and they take the DNA from cold cases that are 40 years old and they can start tracking the nearest living relative to that DNA that they have. And then they just start following it down through the line. And voila, they're cracking open cases they couldn't solve for over 40 years. In fact, this 1% that makes you different from everyone else makes you so unique that in 6 billion people, nobody else would have the same information in that 1% of your DNA. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, I really am unique. I really am special. That's the truth. That's the truth. And, uh, you know, people often will say to me, you know, enough with the religious argument. The problem is God's opinion is more scientific than people want you to realize. You're not a mass of tissue in your mother's womb, and you're not part of somebody else's body. You are unique from the moment of fertilization, and God already wrote the whole genetic code that will make up who you are. Praise God. Pretty cool, isn't it? Interesting information. I'm going to tell you something else that's really cool. So I told you that the moment fertilization takes place, immediately that zygote now has its own unique identification. God actually gives it a name, and it's your name. It has its own unique identification immediately. It'll separate you from 6 billion people. It'll separate you from 60 billion people. But here's something interesting. Science just found the spark of life. You know how they always talk about the spark of life, what makes something live? They just found the spark of life. Northwestern University had a team of researchers, and what they did with uh, uh, the modern methods of being able to film and et cetera, et cetera, they found that at the moment a sperm enters an egg, not only is a whole new genetic code made up of a new person, watch this here, but the moment the sperm penetrates the egg, this is science. I've read numerous articles all on this one subject. Immediately, it lights up. And there are flashes of lights. They say billions of atoms of zinc are released and they're fluorescent. And the egg just comes alive with light. This is only like five years old that they've discovered this. And they've taken video of it. You could go online and search it yourself. 
I want to share one last scripture with you that I think is absolutely incredible. I want to show you how incredible the Word of God is. Let's go to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John. I'm going to close with this here. But I want you to see how incredible God's Word is. Science is still trying to catch up with God's Word. If we go, Matt, I know I didn't put it in my notes, but if we were to go to John chapter 1, verse 1. Everyone give Matt a big hand because he's so used to me just pulling stuff out of the hat. And uh, Tony as well. Tony's been doing a great job. Tony's been learning how to do it. And he's been keeping pace with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let's go to verse 2. I'm going to show you something really cool. You're going to love this. He was God in the beginning. Next verse. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. This is the word. Nothing was made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Okay, hold that thought. Let's keep reading. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Um, Matt, I was using the New King James translation. How easy is it to flick over to the New King James? Because I know what that's going to say. There you go. And the light shines in the darkness. Yeah. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We're talking about Jesus. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came as a witness or for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Verse 8, he was not the light, John was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light who is Jesus. That was the true light which gives light to every man Coming into the world. Wow. The spark of life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing that was created was created without Him. And He is the life and the light. And He gave light. Wow. To every man coming into the world. When I first read this here, I thought, no, it can't, it can't, it can't mean that. I mean, that is too phenomenal. It can't mean that. And I immediately went to the Greek and I looked up the whole verse in the Greek and it literally is saying every human being coming into existence, into this cosmos, Jesus gives them the light. Wow. David said, you wrote a book about me. God thought you up and then wrote down the genetic code. He described you to a T. He loves you and he thinks about you more than there are grains of sand. 
on the beach. He knows the choices we would make and the mistakes we would make. And he doesn't throw the book away. And he doesn't throw the book at us. He became flesh and died on the cross so that we wouldn't be sentenced and condemned. He became flesh and took the rap so that we could become sons of God. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. The miracle of you. You are so unique. You started life as one in 500 million. Hey, could I tell you something? Just to put that into perspective. The chances of you winning the lottery are one in 175 million. You're one in 500 million. God knew you before you were formed because he made you up. When does life begin? I'll tell you when it begins. It began in the mind and the heart of God. That's when life begins. He's planned you. And he loves you. And wherever your life is at, at this moment, God is willing to put his hand into the pages of that book and rewrite the ending so that it has a good ending. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Everyone say it. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now say this, I am marvelous. Turn to somebody and say, call me Captain Marvelous. The devil will have other names for you, but he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. You know, some people would warn me Pastor, you know, you're preaching on a subject that could be really touchy, you know, abortion and women's rights. In fact, one of my pastor friends in Australia, he said, Rob, he says, "Uh, you're taking on a lot of demons. He said, but I know you well enough. He said, I know why God has dropped this in your lap. He said, because you're the kind of guy who doesn't care what people think. I'd rather be wrong with everyone and right with God than right with everyone and wrong with God. Amen. Amen. Friend, as we close here this morning, I want to thank you for having paid such good attention and for having loved on our dad the way you did this morning. It was just wonderful to be part of this worship service. In fact, I'm going to ask these guys to close us out with that same worship song. But before we do that, I have to extend the opportunity. 
If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, what are you waiting for? Come on. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He's for you. He's not against you. The devil's a liar, and the devil will try to make you afraid of God and make you feel like all that God wants to do is tell you how bad you are. No, he wants to tell you how long he's been waiting for this moment that you would raise your hand and say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. God loves you. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. He's not like any human being. He is perfect in every way. And where you grew up always believing and hearing that you were a mistake, God has no mistakes. What man didn't plan, God had planned. And what man wants to unplan, God will keep it planned. He has a destiny and a purpose for you. Amen. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So right now with every eye closed, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come and be your Lord, your Savior, to live in you, and right now, come on, put your hand up. Right across this auditorium, put your hand up and say, I want to accept Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand up the back. Thank you. Who else? Others. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Who else wants to say yes to Jesus? Raise your hand right now and say, I accept Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Keep your eyes closed. Thank you. Praise God. I want everyone, including that person that just raised your hand, to repeat this prayer after me with our eyes closed. You know, God hears everything. And your prayer right now is just as real to Him and just as sincere. This is not make-believe. God destined you to be here, and God is waiting to hear these words. Everyone repeat after me. God, I love you. I believe in you because you love me, and you believe in me. I don't understand all this. But Jesus, I receive you today. Come into my heart. Come into this life. And as broken as I am, as messed up as I can be sometimes, Jesus Christ, I invite you to be my Lord and to live in me and to live through me today and forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Touch them, Lord. Let your spirit touch every man and every woman and let the chains of darkness be broken right across this auditorium. Let every man and every woman rise up in who they are in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.